Hey there, Emerald listeners. This is How It's Reported. I'm Ryan Wynn, the podcast editor. Today we have Emily Poole, the outreach director for The Daily Emerald. Zach Price, the editor-in-chief. How are you two doing today? Wonderful. It's a wonderful Sunday. Fantastic. It's beautiful outside. Yeah, so this week we published a very special edition of The Emerald this week. The cover story for this week is an editorial, and it talked about why student media matters. Um, I was wondering if you two could give a brief overview of what it said for the people who didn't listen. The link will be in the description below. Well, I guess the people who didn't read it. Sure, yeah, I can go for it. Um, The editorial pretty much just explains what Save Student Newsroom Day is. It's the second annual one where student newsrooms across the country got together and, um, you know, wrote editorials about some of the challenges they face as student newspapers, some of the, uh, you know, benefits of being an independent newspaper. So we explained that and, like, how we released this editorial last Thursday and then in print edition on Monday, today, about pretty much generally new student newspapers. And then we talked about specifically like how the Emerald's set up, the way our editor-in-chiefs are hired between me and Ella Morgan, who's the ethos editor-in-chief, and then how our publisher operates and how they're kind of separate, and then how we're not funded by administration, but we do receive some funding from ASUO, the IFI fee. So we just kind of explained all of that and then talked about a fundraiser that we're doing right now. Um, we're fundraising to get camera equipment and video equipment for next year. Um, right now, most of our photographers and videographers have to use their own equipment, which can be really costly and expensive. So fundraising for equipment for the newsroom would just open up opportunities to people who might not be able to afford that. So in general, we just kind of wanted to explain who we are, what we do, and um, talk about this fundraiser we're doing to hopefully open up opportunities to students who might not have the opportunity otherwise. Emily, was there anything you wanted to add to that? Yeah, I also think the editorial touched on the fact that we're independent and what it means to be independent, because I feel like a lot of people don't necessarily understand what that means and what that entails. So we're independent, which means that we don't have administrative oversight to tell us what we can pursue, what we can't. Um, And so that's wonderful. But the backside of that is we're financially independent as well. So no one's paying for us. No one's giving us the money or allocating us funds for equipment or for coverage. And so that's really difficult. So fundraising is like a fundamental part of our business model. And that's why, you know, we have fundraising events outside of this one specifically. But that's why there is a call to action in the editorial, because anything really does help independent student newspapers. Yeah. So when you say that there's no administrative oversight, how does that sort of play out in the newsroom? Like if we were managed by like the journalism school, for example, what would them having control over the newsroom look like? Um, I think that the biggest, like the best way to explain is that one of the main missions of the Emerald is to hold the institutions surrounding specifically the university accountable. You know, there needs to be some sort of checks and balances in a lot of ways. So um, a lot of stuff we do is investigative reporting, watchdog reporting, making sure that the things that the way things are supposed to be are the way that they're actually being executed. And if there's a gap between those two, then we want to like publish stories and publicize that uh, just so that people know about it and we hold the university accountable. So uh, if there were oversight from administration, they could maybe censor us. They could say, don't publish that. You know, there are student newspapers that are under the oversight of administration. And when that happens, that does they do say, no, you can't publish this because it's bad publicity for us. You know, essentially when they're under the oversight of administration, they're just kind of PR in a lot of ways. Us, we are there to hold them accountable. We want to make sure that they're following the rules that are set up. They're following the law and they're treating everyone fairly and equally. So um, if there was that oversight, maybe there wouldn't be a voice for uh, uncensored voice on campus for students. Yeah. And, and to build off of what Zach was saying is I also think that being independent and not having administrative oversight allows for like a 
the entire picture to be presented and kind of, you know, going off of what you said, when there is oversight, you get a really small picture and it's a picture that they want to be published. Right. But the real world doesn't necessarily work that way. There's always like another side to a story and being independent allows for that to be recognized and, you know, expressed. Um, and yeah, when there is oversight, they get to say kind of how you go about reporting, you know, the angles in which you're going to provide for your audience and kind of everything in between. And I just feel like there's already kind of, you know, a problem with media right now and I don't think that this is bad but like I, I think that being independent really helps all that it helps transparency um, and gives people the information that they need to make their own educated decisions and when there is oversight you kind of prevent that from happening it's, I don't want to say skewed but there, there is a purpose and a reason and an intent and I think that it might not necessarily be as obvious yeah and to clarify it's not like we're out to get the university or anything like that we're not like trying to get them but we're there to hold them accountable and make sure that they're following the rules that they set out so our unbiased reporting, our objective reporting um, would be jeopardized if we were under the oversight. People would go into question and say, did they really pursue this angle hard enough or did administrators shut down at some angle? Like when we hit roadblocks with administration, like we continue to pursue those angles probably even harder. So uh, the oversight would just really limit um, the type of watchdog independent journalism that we can really do. Yeah. And sorry, just to build off that one more time, I think it kind of goes off like maintaining our credibility when you do have, you know, administrative oversight people, the audience kind of has this skeptical point of view, like, oh, the university's paying you to say this, like, how truthworthy is it? Um, and that's problematic, right? Like, we've seen, like, the, the problem in media. And so I think that being independent combats that and doesn't necessarily allow that to um, influence audiences. Yeah. So just to give our listeners an example of some of the work we've done, what are some stories that would maybe not have been possible if we were not independent like we are? Yeah, well, I think the first one that comes to mind is the East Campus housing story that Michael Tobin... Link in the description. Yeah, link in the description below. Um, that Michael Tobin, who's next year's editor-in-chief, uh, that's the story that he did earlier this year. It was like, I think like a 3,000-word cover story, months of investigation into looking into the East Campus housing that the university has for graduate students and their families. And pretty much what the um, through we found through this investigation was that there was poor oversight of those houses. Those houses are like 100, 100 plus years old, and they weren't maintained correctly. There is a lawsuit about black mold that the family claims that led to some sort of disease with their child. So just a lot of issues in terms of maintenance when it comes to mold building up and just you know poor housing in general. So we did an investigative report about that that kind of exposed maybe some of the um, lack of oversight and lack of uh, really good care and maintenance of those homes that uh, the university was kind of selling to those graduate students as like a sought after place to live. They, the way that they phrased it was, you know, that there, there was like a long waiting list and people really wanted to get these homes. And the way that outwardly they were saying is that these homes are like great homes for graduate students and reality wasn't quite what it met up to be. So uh, if administration had been involved with that, you know, I can't say for certain that the story wouldn't have gotten published one way or the other way, but it definitely would have been a much bigger a hurdle to jump through getting that approved by some sort of administrator here because it really doesn't paint them in a great picture. But um, I think it's something that the university and the community around it really needed to know. Yeah. And just other examples are like our tuition coverage. And like, I think those are just important, um, you know, topics to cover and to provide for our community and our students on campus. And again, just like the angle and perspective in which, you know, we provide might not necessarily be the same. Have there, have there been administrative oversight on, you know, that kind of coverage and stuff? So, I was also wondering, out of the editorial, what was like the core message that at like the Emerald Editorial Board, which full disclosure, I am also on, um, that you wanted our readers to know, like what was like the the main message you wanted to get out there? Um, 
I think mostly we just wanted to explain like who we are and how we operate and like the benefits, like as we talked about the no oversight from administration that come with being independent. And as Emily said, the challenges that come with it as well. And, you know, we have issues with access with administration, but really the biggest issue we face is funding. Uh, you know, the university funding us would be great because we have great equipment, but it would mean that we we're under their oversight and that we'd be, you know, limited in a lot of ways. So the biggest thing I wanted to get out there is just explain who we are and how we're unbiased reporting and do objective reporting. And then tell our readers that we need our, their help pretty much. Uh, you know, I think we do really provide a civic service to them by holding these institutions accountable, by helping keep uh, students informed, the university informed. So if they want to continue that, you know, there's a crisis going on in journalism where the business model is breaking in a lot of ways and that impacts the New York Times and it also impacts the Daily Emerald. So from, you know, the college student newspaper to the leading professionals that it, it goes all, all across the board so that we really do need their help in um, donating to this fund that we have going on and donating throughout the year and helping us with GoFund for sports travel and all these things, they go a long way and they provide opportunities for student journalists to learn these skills who will eventually go into the professional field and contribute to society as a large. So I know it's kind of a long answer to something that probably wanted to be more pointed, but it's a complicated issue. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. And when you first asked that, I first thought about what I feel like I wanted people to understand was I wanted to be transparent and I wanted to, we need to ask for help. And I feel like, you know, we explained who we are and we gave people an opportunity to learn more about us and to show kind of our vulnerability, right? We're independent. So we produce great work, but on the other end, like we struggle financially a lot. You know, it's a constant challenge that we have to, you know, deal with. And so through explaining who we are and what we stand for and what we can provide, I feel like that hopefully showed that we're trans being transparent. And then also like you you can't expect people to know that you need help without asking. And so I feel like that was really important was explaining why we're asking and um, why people should donate to the, to our cause. And I think that, you know, asking for help and showing your transparency really help each other. And so I would hope people would get both of those messages from the editorial. Yeah. So along with what you were mentioning, Zach, about how it's a training ground of sorts for students, what are the other sorts of benefits of having a college newspaper for students maybe in particular the yeah like journalism students non-journalism students absolutely yeah so i mean the emerald's mission is kind of it's threefold but in my mind it's really twofold that we're here to hold people accountable and provide information to the community um but we're also here to train journalists that's what's great about being a student publication you know um the sojc the school of journalism communication that we're in right now um they have amazing professors and great courses and i've learned a lot from them but they call it practicing journalism for a reason. You have to go out there and actually do it. And I don't know if all the classes really provide that as much as the Emerald really does on a day-to-day basis. So by getting involved in the Emerald, these student journalists can go out there and practice, make mistakes, learn from those mistakes, learn how to be a real-life journalist so that when they graduate and they go on to look for jobs you know, at newspapers, at media publications, um, across the globe, really, that they can, make, they can make really good journalism and really contribute to society in a positive way. So it's not... It's not just about helping people here at UO. It's like our goal is to train people to go on and make a large contribution to society in general by being a member of the free press and by holding those larger institutions like the president of the United States, politics, like all these big business, big oil, all those people accountable as well. So um, it really is twofold. And I think the, the training aspect to it is one of the core missions that we have at the Emerald. And we couldn't do it without donations and fundraising. So that camera equipment will help people uh, you know, in multimedia as we expand into this digital age, people in multimedia and photo and video and podcast, that will help them you know, use the materials that are like most relevant today um, and prepare them most to go into the professional field. Mm. And then I would also say 
for non-journalism students why they should care and what they get out of the Emerald too is we cover, you know, campus culture. And we're pretty much the only newspaper media outlet in Eugene to cover the University of Oregon. Um, and we've, in the world specifically. Right. right? <laughs> sure. And we, we've earned that definitely. And so I think that, you know, this is a nonprofit that is for students, run by students. And so that doesn't necessarily mean just journalism students. That's everyone on the University of Oregon campus. And I think that we try really hard to cover, you know, all avenues of campus life and to not even just cover that, but to provide our calendar for events to show people, hey, like this is what's going on on campus. And this is how you can get involved. Also, you can get involved with the Emerald itself. Um, and in addition to it, the great content that we produce. And we're kind of an avenue for um, just to um, elevate voices all voices on campus. Yeah, so to sort of build on what you were saying, what were some of the challenges that we faced as a student-run newspaper? You've both mentioned how it's difficult with a lack of funding and a lack of access sometimes. I was wondering if you could maybe elaborate on maybe some other issues that we've also dealt with and faced. Uh, Sure, yeah. I mean, I think the biggest one is the funding thing, but it affects a lot of aspects of what we do at the Emerald. You know, it's not just camera equipment, which we're asking for in this fundraiser, it's student staff payrolls. So um, many, not many, uh, most people at the Emerald aren't paid staffers. Um, managers, editors, and very select number of reporters get monthly stipends, and those stipends have been shrink- shrinking over time. It cannot support a student that comes with all the book costs, all the tuition costs, all the housing costs and food costs and anything they want to do for fun in their social life. So uh, working at the Emerald uh, hours wise is a full time job, but pay wise is not. So those two things don't add up. So uh, it limits the opportunities for people, people who maybe have a little bit more privilege. They come from a little bit more money. They're more likely to be able to contribute here because they can afford to not get paid for the work that they're doing. Whereas other students who might be paying for all those other things that I mentioned, they don't have the time to dedicate to being contribute to the Emerald, which is really unfortunate because I think a good newsroom has a diverse set of voices and perspectives. So it can limit people in a lot of ways. So um, the funding thing affects our payroll in other ways. It affects experience. Like I was talking about with student journalists. Um, For sports reporters in particular, one of the best um, experiences you can really do is go and cover sports at away games, cover sports at national tournaments and national events. So this year, the men's and women's teams both went to um, the NCAA tournament. The men went to the Elite Eight and the women went to the Final Four. Um, You know, and we were able to do a GoFundMe and got amazing support for our alumni. But if it weren't for that, either the students would have had to pick up that cost themselves or they just wouldn't have been able to go. And that opportunity is so great because they're working alongside leading industry professionals covering some of the biggest sports teams in the world on with some of the best athletes in the world on them. It's There's no greater opportunity to get really good clips, to get a great experience as a journalist, and that wouldn't have been possible without that GoFundMe. So um, years ago, the Emerald used to have a big sports travel fund back when you know newspapers were rolling in the banks back in the 90s, but it's been shrinking since then. And currently, our student... Um, travel payroll doesn't exist. It was all through GoFundMe is the only way we were able to send those people there. So huge shout out to those donors. But again, it's just another challenge we face when it comes to funding is that those reporters would have missed out on that experience if it weren't for it. Yeah, I do a lot of fundraising um, and planning for the Emerald. And for example, our Tracktown event, it was a good opportunity to raise funds, right? But um, we required a lot of volunteers to come and be there throughout the day. It was from 11 to 11. And so I couldn't be there all day. And we needed people to help. But again, we couldn't compensate them for their time. Um, and so, again, that's really challenging because we so we need people to be there to represent the Emerald and to encourage um, and incentivize donating. But um, 
were not paying them. And so their time, you know, is very valuable. And so, you know, that's just an example of a challenge. Um, and then also, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but like, for example, we have a lot of our money comes from the ASUO student government. They allocate us a lot of funds for subscriptions. Um, and recently, you know, this last past year, they kind of threatened to defund us. And that was kind of Obviously, that was very alarming, but it was also very insightful into like we need to kind of adjust our business model and we need to put more emphasis on fundraising so we can rely less on ASUO um, because that's not a battle we want to have to constantly go through. And we don't necessarily want to feel as frightened um, with the with the chance that, you know, we might lose funding and that would kind of squash us. And so one good thing from that opportunity from that event was that, you know, we kind of were able to buck up and say, okay, you know, we need to kind of readjust this. And I think that, you know, moving forward, it's something very important to like remember. Um, and those are just some examples of the challenges. Could you explain a little bit more about how funding from ASUO works and stuff and how it's different from the university? Definitely. It's, yeah, so ASUO gives us money and they pay for subscriptions. Um, ASUO funds student organizations. And so the Emerald is a student organization, and so that's why they allocate us funds, but it's not from the university itself. So it's we, they don't have any influence over our editorial process or coverage. Yeah, Could you explain a little bit more about what do you mean by subscriptions? Yeah, so uh, the way it works is that the, they pay for subscriptions, essentially like a subscription to a newspaper. Um, obviously, we don't print five days a week anymore, and there's not a single newspaper for every single student available. However, it's essentially a subscription to our website, to our news media publication. So um, through a student fee that is allocated to ASUO and they allocate that funds to us, which is kind of confusing, but that in a roundabout way pays for a subscription to the students. In essence, the students are paying through ASUO for access to the Emerald, which is public to the, everybody. So um, it's just a subscription to the Emerald Media Group as a whole. Yeah, so I was also wondering what sort of happens next after this, after we've published the editorial, after, you know? Yeah, well, this week we're going to be pushing on social media all week long. Um, you know, I think last time I checked, we were at like almost $1,500 out of the 3500 we asked, which is really great. Um, but we just need people to continue to support us. We're going to be doing some tabling for the event as well. Um, and I think a lot of people don't realize how much a small donation can mean. I was looking earlier today in our Women's GoFundMe, which raised like, I think, just over $3,000 there was 67 or 68 donors and they all donated somewhere between like 15 and $30. So it doesn't take hundreds or thousands of dollars of donations between three or four people. It takes a lot of people contributing just a little bit. So anything you can give, if you just Venmo us $5, if you just put in your credit card and give us $7, it all goes a long way and it's for a good cause. So I think the next step is, is just hopefully we can find some success with this fundraiser and then build off of it for future fundraisers, continue to access our alumni network and hopefully get support from them and as well as the community members and students and their families as well. So just continue to build off this experience and you know hopefully get some greater camera equipment for our photographers and videographers. Yeah, and for people who might not be able to financially contribute, it's just supporting us through reading us, through sharing our content. Um, that helps too. You know, um, you don't necessarily have to donate to the cause if you can't, but you know, just increasing our the awareness of us on campus and the work that we do is comes full circle as well. Yeah. So here's a last, maybe a little cynical question for the listeners who have made it thus far why read the emerald at all when there's other news outlets to read 
Well, the Emerald is the number one student publication on campus at the University of Oregon. If people are interested in, um, you know, what's going on in administration, what's going on with tuition, what's going on with housing, or what's going on in the local arts and culture scene, or what's happening with the Ducks football team or baseball team or basketball team, or if they're interested in hearing a dialogue about campus opinions or consuming any type of multimedia that we have to offer, including podcasts, that, uh, shout out, that this is the place to come. There's other publications, but the Emerald has been around for 119 years, produce excellent journalists that have gone on to do some professional things. It has a very talented group of people in the newsroom right now. And if you're interested in learning more about the community that you're in, the university that you're a part of, this is the place to come. And this is where all the relevant information is for you on our website and our print edition that we have. Yeah, and just to echo one little thing, I think Zach said that really well. But, you know, the Register Guard and Eugene Meekly, they don't necessarily cover us. So we're pretty much the only opportunity to get student or campus news. Um, and again, we are independent. So I would rope that in. Why should they care? Because we're independent. Not to say anything bad about other publications, but like around the O, for example, like it's just different, the kind of content and coverage that we provide. And so I think that if you want like independent, full, full, full scope of coverage, then, you know, we kind of provide that. Yeah. Eugene Weekly, Register Guard, they might have Oregonian even, they might have like one education reporter that's focused on not just the university, but everything in Eugene or everything in Oregon. We have 80 student journalists that are focused only solely on the University of Oregon. You're not going to find any better covers than the stuff that we have going on. So not only are you supporting a good cause by supporting student journalists who are going into the professional field soon, you're just learning and accessing more information about the campus and community that's like around you. Right. And like I said earlier, it's produced by students for students. So students kind of know like what they would care about. And so I feel like the scope of the coverage too is really relevant. All right. Well, thanks so much for coming. Is there anything else we didn't talk about that either one of you would like to mention? That Game of Thrones episode last night was crazy. Don't spoil <laughs> it. I swear. <laughs> I don't even watch Game of Thrones actually. End games on tonight. Or I'm seeing end game tonight. So that's very exciting. Listen to our Game of Thrones podcast. Link Small in the description plug. Below. Yeah, exactly. How many links in the description are we going to have? Like it's going to be a few minutes. It's going to be a lot. <laughs> okay, good. Well, I guess I would just like to say thanks for listening and thanks for supporting us through through listening, through engaging with us, and through possibly donating. That was such a better professional answer than mine. Are you kidding <laughs> me? That's why we pay Emily the big bucks. Okay, good, good. No, yeah. Me too. All right. All right. I'm Ryan Wynn. I'm Emily Poole. I'm Zach Price. Thanks for listening. To hear more from the Yellow Podcast Network, you can find us on Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes, and wherever you get your podcasts. And you can listen to these episodes right on the Emerald homepage at dailyemerald.com. Leave us a comment on SoundCloud or email us at podcast at dailyemerald.com. Thanks for tuning in.